Welcome to DCAF with the Beacon Center. I am Taylor, this is Mark. And for those of you who are new listeners, what we do on DCAF is we talk about everything and our boss kind of hates that, but he also kind of loves it. We talk about Tennessee policy. We talk about things going on in the United States. We talk about sports, talk about pop culture. Mark gives me a hard time. That's just what we do. Did I leave anything out, Mark? Yep, that should be it. It's about right. Yeah. Mostly, and it's mostly Taylor hate. We actually, at the beginning of the podcast, kept a count of how many times Mark insulted me per podcast. And uh, it, it was pretty high. We were reaching double digits there for a little while. You, you've softened, though. I think getting insult, married- Insult softened. your opinions, mostly. Yeah, and your yeah, yeah. and your personal decisions, not you personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my personal decisions as to like who I date. Mark really has a lot. What of kind of sweatshirt you wear for as an example? Yeah, Mark just, hates my SEC sweatshirt, and you know I just what? don't know who wears a conference sweatshirt. It's like, oh man, like that's like, should I have like a, a North America sweatshirt? I don't know. It's just so weird to have a, a conference. Like you have a team that you cheer for. That's who you do. I went to the SEC tournament last year. Got a cute sweatshirt. Sue me. Okay. An Alabama sweatshirt that says SEC tournament. And say Alabama on it. That's who they you cheer for. You don't cheer for a conference. They definitely have those. Well, I didn't see them. If they did, I didn't see them. Anyway, I actually bought one of those like four years ago when I won an Alabama SEC tournament t-shirt. Okay, so they didn't have it when I went. So whatever. Um, let's talk about something that we did that we can agree on for once. Mark and I went to Memphis this week and, you know, Memphis is a little underrated. I had a great time. We got there. We had lunch with one of our friends who lived there and we then we had our main event, which was our listening tour. And we talked about our listening tour um, a little bit on the podcast already. But basically what we're trying to do is go around the state, talk to real people, figure out what's bothering them and what we can fix. And so in our policy agenda in years going forward, we will be talking about these issues that people want fixed. Things like the roads are terrible. Things like people's children don't have the opportunity to go to other schools because either there's no formal school choice programs or there's no open enrollment in certain counties. Things like that where we we kind of think in our heads this might be a big issue and we're really just going to get either affirmation or to get completely shot down that uh that we think that these things are a big deal and they may be or they may not be mark what were some of the things that stood out to you at the memphis listening tour well first of all you're right. i mean like memphis is a uh, i just got to spend three days there and like it, it really is just an underrated city they have such good food and there's so many kind of cool hole in the wall like bars and restaurants and stuff it's just like it's, it's a cool city um so yeah we had a great time there and i think that even to kind of maybe correct you a little bit i am trying to go in with no like i don't want to have any idea what these people are thinking i'm trying to go into a completely open mind where i have no concept because i think we've realized that you know things that are important to me or you may not be important to other people so i know what i think other people think but that's kind of part of this whole process is that we want to figure out what other people actually think and that's why we're doing this because we don't want to kind of put a our opinion of what they think yeah. into that so it's cool to get these results and i think some of them you know if we're being honest are what we thought and some are completely opposite I'm like i never even thought of that yeah. um so it was just a really cool experience you know it was uh we're not gonna give away too many of the results we were trying to trying to work that all in but you had just a, a dynamic group of people in memphis there was some really you know respectful arguments some fun discussion you know you had kind of people on you had people from all these different backgrounds in school. I mean, there's different age groups. There's a lot of different racial demographics, um, probably different political opinions there. And it was just a very cool, but, but everyone was polite. And it was such a cool 
conversation that I mean obviously you were there there was like it was explosive but in a good way it's like there's yeah. so many different opinions out there and you know you had people who were maybe pretty far left agreeing people who were kind of far right on certain issues and then people who are on the same side disagreeing on issues and it just shows I think the biggest takeaway I have without talking about the specifics is that this whole party thing that we have this political identification it just isn't really relevant to a lot of people because when you talk about certain issues there's a lot of consensus among people in different parties and there's a lot of disagreement among people in the same party yeah. it really is an issue by issue thing if we can kind of separate from this you know us first them mentality we have a lot more in common than we think that's kind of what i took from it yeah i, I think you're totally right and and i you know some of the things that i went in it's hard for me to turn my brain off but some of the things that i went in thinking would be brought up as a big deal no one said a word and so i i think that that's very very telling as to where people's hearts and minds are when they're thinking about their families their kids their finances everything under the sun the things that really affect them and the things that they think about every single day some of the things that i think that they are thinking about it's it it doesn't align at all and so it's a really valuable tool that we've been able to create um, to give people a just a chance to talk and then to give our team insight into the actual communities that we're serving you know what's interesting too is that uh, we talked about memphis one thing that you know if we would have guessed what was going to be not one person out of 12 people putting their top three to five issues brought up crime that was not an issue on anybody's mind not even one time and i think you know from far away you're like oh man memphis has a huge crime problem and not to say they they don't have a problem but that is not at the forefront of people's mind everybody care i mean again i will share this everyone's number one thing was the economy and inflation and how every single one and how it's affecting me and you know people might blame different things but that was the economy was number one in everyone's mind and their, their financial situations and so that'll be interesting you know for us at beacon we can't really do much about the federal rate of inflation and how prices are rising but we can do things to make the burden easier on people who live here and we're already in a really great spot with no state income taxes but there are things that we can do to to make the blow a little bit less on people living in Tennessee. And so that's what we're going to be brainstorming on over the next year is what are those solutions? How can we implement them? What do we need to do to get there? And just really keeping at the forefront of our minds as people that we serve, because it, it really is all about them. I say it all the time when you think about these issues that are being debated all the time at the Capitol. Everyone has a special interest group. Everyone's got someone representing them, except just taxpayers. And that's what we do, is we go up and we represent just people who are just trying to live and prosper and succeed in Tennessee. And so being able to listen to them with no agenda, no list of issues on the board that we say rank these um let them actually tell what they're what is important to them um i think that's that's really crucial for for what we're doing it was a very it was just a very cool experience and i mean it, it it's and again we had a lot of i mean I, I guess i don't know the exact breakdown i mean it was certainly more you know left-leaning than right-leaning but it's like yeah. every single person had the same number one it was all finances in some way and inflation so it is it is interesting that you know it's there's a lot of common ground among what actually is affecting people's lives and it's going to be up to ron and our you know policy and also to be creative on what policies can we work on that are you know aligned with our free market perspective but can really help these people in the state so that's going to be kind of the second part of it uh and you know i'm excited to be doing this part and making ron think of the actually creative policy solutions to it we do love a challenge and by we i mean ron so yeah. can't wait to well we love that he has a challenge i don't know if he loves it but yeah, it, yeah it's really good to get everyone thinking outside the box 
poor Ron. He's going to listen to this and think, oh no, he's going to have to hibernate <laughs> for the summer. Um, so I woke up this morning to a text from Suzanne, our coworker, that made me actually laugh out loud. Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter. Okay, let me just say, for people who don't know me personally, I love trolling people. It is one of my favorite things to do. I love, and this is going to make me sound like a really mean person, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but I like using people's words against them, not to cause them harm, but to make them laugh and to make everyone else laugh. Like, I like to, to make jokes and to troll people. Elon Musk is the world's greatest troll. He really did. He bought a little bit of Twitter and people freaked out. Well, to be clear, not a little bit. He is the biggest stakeholder in Twitter at 9.2%. But percentage wise, it is a sliver. But he is the he he gets to make the most decisions. He has the most impact. Yes. So yeah, it wasn't like he bought like one share. I mean, he he is the main holder of Twitter now, yes. But holistically, it's a yes. small percentage number. 10%. Yeah. People absolutely lost their minds and he said okay i won't go on the board i won't go on the board better yet i'm gonna come back and buy the whole thing that is a brilliant troll that is so so funny and i don't know if he has the financing i don't i don't know how it would work i don't know if he's serious about it or if he's just trying to make people's heads explode but man i from one troll to another that was beautiful <laughs> Well, he first of all, he made the offer. It's it's like he's filed with the FEC, so that it is not a troll. I mean, it might be a troll, but it is I mean, he, he put the money out there. Um, and it, I actually really liked what he said, though. It's like he's like, this has the greatest, you know, chance Twitter does to be a free speech, you know, yes. nothing but free speech here. So, like, no, you know, no censoring people you don't agree, it should be completely free speech. And you know, I think Twitter has an ability, it's not right now because of all the things that they have done where they're censoring, you know, a lot of people on the right or opinions they don't like. But it's cool that he's doing that. And the best thing I saw, which it really insults both parties, but there's a guy who I don't care for much. His name's Joe Walsh. He used to be a Republican, then he's like, he's he's the worst most of the time. Yeah. But he did this thing, he said, the right, Twitter isn't fair, government must do something. The left, Twitter's a private company that sets its own rules. Elon Musk threatens to buy Twitter. The left, oh my God, stop this. Government must do something. The right, Twitter's a private company. So it's like, you really do see this whole, it, it's only about for People a lot of the political funny. parties, what helps them. That's all That's all they care about. And they don't, they don't have principles. They don't have this. And it's just, it's funny to see because I mean, I actually, again, the only time Joe Walsh has maybe been right in the past four years, but it, that's, it was awesome that he said that. He was right. People are imploding. And I just, it's funny. And now, you know, trolling for me at least does not mean diabolical kind of intent. I'm not a bully, but I do love trolling. And I don't think that Elon Musk is being a bully here. I think he's literally like, oh, you freak out over this? Wait till I show you this. It's just so, so funny. And it's funny to watch people's reactions because if you are a free speech absolutist like he is, you think that this is a really great thing. And if not, I can't really help you because if you don't agree on free speech, then there's probably not much that you and I agree on. And so I can't really sympathize with you. I can't really help you. I think that this is going to be, if he does it, part of me hopes that he just takes like, I have in my head a picture of like a big light switch on the wall that controls all of Twitter. And he just pulls it down and shuts the whole thing off. <laughs> it's like, I know it's like a cartoon. But, but I also think that like it is, I do agree with you kind of in it being a troll, but he's also a good businessman. He's not putting this money in here thinking it's going to lose money. 
Totally. And it's like, and it is funny, all the people threatening to leave Twitter, it's like, please leave. This it would be so much better without you here. <laughs> and, and this whole and, and again, this whole idea of you know Elon Musk as this right-wing extremist. He is not a right-wing extremist. He is again, he dated a communist. He is, you know, at, at best a moderate that cares about free speech. So it's like it's it's insane to say that he's like. And just because he might want to reinstate Trump, he wants to reinstate everybody. He doesn't think people should be banned from there. And that's the whole point of it. So I hope he buys it. I think he's awesome. He's like a single issue kind of voter, I would think, about about free speech. Like he would, he he is all in on free speech. And I think it's pretty cool. He's putting his money where his mouth is, quite literally, and trying to purchase Twitter. And I'm interested to see if it happens. What are the changes that the platform will make? How many people, it, it's, it is funny though, all the people that say, I'm, I can't be part of Elon Musk's uh, company, I'm, I'm quitting Twitter. And all of the comments, all the reply tweets are like, bye, bye. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know why it's like it's amazing the power people think they have especially online they're like oh I'm not following you anymore after that comment or oh no I'm not gonna work with like guess what nobody cares he can replace somebody super quickly and no, nobody it doesn't matter nobody cares about you in either way I like I love all these like these protests that are just to basically get attention for yourself you nobody yeah. cares you just want to say oh look how brave I am I'm leaving this person because oh my gosh Elon Musk has said he wants free speech can you believe that like what a bunch of just morons I I, I good <laughs> I mean I hope that nobody ever hires them and it's just it, it's the same people on the internet that tr- those are real trolls like bad ones like oh I'm I'm oh. not following the one of the best lines I see somebody said, Oh, I'm not following you anymore. For I, I don't even remember what it was. And then somebody said, like, it's not an airport, you don't need to tell people you're departing. So, like, nobody cares. And like, and that was so I just love that. It's like nobody cares. And I don't care about either side. It doesn't matter why you're unfollowing them. It's just like just if you don't like them, just leave. You don't need to make a whole announcement leave. and make a big deal about it. Just leave, just unfollow, quit Twitter, just leave your, your job. Account. You don't have to you, you don't have to yell about it. That's right. Yeah, we don't we don't need to talk about it. We don't need a PSA. It was kind of like all the PSAs when it was like this celebrity, that celebrity has been diagnosed with COVID-19. It's like, just let them do their thing. Just let them heal. Just, we don't need to talk about it. We don't need to talk about all these personal decisions. If you're sick, best of luck to you. Have some soup and, and take some Tylenol. If you quit Twitter, best of luck to you. Hope you find a new job or a new platform to spew your opinions on. I really, I really couldn't care less, but it is. And it feels like similar to the liberal celebrities that are going to go to Canada after the Trump one election. Sure. Right? It's like a lot of people saying that I would be interested to see how many people actually follow through with leaving Twitter. Because again, would... nobody's saying, and this is the most interesting part, nobody's saying they're scared that Elon Musk is going to censor that. That's not what they're saying. They're saying that he, they're just scared that he's going to let other people have voices. Which, that's the most insane thing I've ever heard. I know. I agree. I mean, it's, it's wild. Imagine if you brought back like Alexander Hamilton and George Washington and, and Thomas Jefferson, who were all censored by the King of England a long time ago for their beliefs. And they came to America to say, yeah, we're not, we're not doing this. And then you ask them, even with a private company, it's not even government, even with a private company, I assure you that what they would say is, it is a slippery slope to try to start taking people's voices away. I promise you that is what they would say. And so it's uh, it, it's it's interesting to see how America has evolved from free speech, no matter the cost, they fought a war over it, to you your words hurt my feelings. I have to go. You can't speak anymore. It's just yeah. insane. And, and the, here's the thing is like, that's okay. I have to go is fine. 
you can't speak anymore is the problem, right? Like exactly. no, nobody, nobody's arguing with your, like get off the, nobody cares if you get off Twitter, do it. Like you have the right to do that. Just like they have the right. And again, as much as, you know, I think a lot of conservatives would hate to hear this. Twitter has the right to do what they're doing now. They're allowed to sign yeah. conservative voices and I don't like it, but they're allowed to do it. And if Elon Musk buys it, if he wants to silence liberal voices, fine. I don't agree with it, but that's not, it doesn't matter. It's not here nor there. And we're never going to be able to legislate this mindset that you and I have of people need to just shut up and mind their own business. We're never going to be able to legislate that. We legislate but, the opposite. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But what we can do is point out the stupidity and hypocrisy of it. And that's what we will do. But we both, we're on the same page that we definitely both want Elon Musk to buy Twitter, right? That'd be awesome. Oh. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> like expert troll move. Like in the troll hall of fame, the Twitter <laughs> troll hall of fame, buying Twitter to mess with the haters is definitely the best one. I would also maybe actually get a personal Twitter and use it because I would actually be way more interested if there was actual speech on there. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not somebody who's like, who I'm not saying, oh, in protest, not doing like, I'm just not that interested. But if it was a real free speech platform, I might be more interested in actually doing it. I know. And then we can unfollow all of your basketball accounts from the Beacon account, because every time I get on <laughs> Beacon's account, it's just like mid-major madness. And like, all these like First of all, I love mid-major madness. And, um, but what I think is funny, honestly, mid-major madness is the best Twitter follow ever if you like kind of mid-major basketball. But the funny thing about it is, yeah, I don't have my own Twitter. I do have my own Twitter, but I kind of don't use it. So I go on that. I think I'm following things from mine. And like, there's like 20 follows that we do on Beacon of just like jazz players, stuff like that. And like, <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I don't even realize that. <laughs> and I go on there to do that. So yeah. But it fun. honestly helps me because I follow all of the like Tennessee news sources from my personal Twitter. And so sometimes when I get on, if if you didn't follow those jazz accounts, I might think that I was on my personal one instead of the Beacon one. But we're definitely on Beacon when I see jazz players. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or if you understand what the, you know, the Akron Kent State, who, who are the good players in that game on, you know, mid-major <laughs> madness is, is something that we're tweeting that we're watching. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh gosh, it really is. If y'all only knew the chaos that I put up with working with Mark, you, you would try this to is I'm like not I'm like not as hit like I don't have my own Twitter that's the only reason that I do but like I don't know how to use it that well I can I know how to tweet and that's it so like I just don't realize when I'm switching which is good that I don't tweet because otherwise yeah. there'd be a lot of jazz tweets coming from me scared we would be we would all be so scared speaking of jazz tweets happy Mark's best week of the year which is the NBA playoffs have started. Now, I know nothing about this. I had a great week last week with the Braves and the Masters and watching my guy Scotty. He's a good Christian man and his sweet caddy just winning the Masters in a massive victory um, with a few great, great hits by Rory late in the game. But Mark, it is your turn to geek out on your sports. This is your time to shine, brother. Can I say this also about Scheffler? Great golfer. I, I, like, I didn't think anything of the way he looked. I'm like, oh, like, whatever. He's a normal looking guy. He is 25. I thought he was 40. I know. He does not. I mean, again, he looks a lot older than he is. <laughs> and you know what? I think that winning four majors in a year, like four majors in what, six starts and the stress that comes with that, we'll do it to you yeah i mean it's and the thing is, it's not like he looks bad it's like he looks like he's 40 and i'm like looks like, an adult. like like i would never even think of it. he just looks like a normal guy and i'm like oh well, he's 25 wow he is my little sister's age and he looks like a parent like he looks oh, like an yeah adult. he looks like yeah he looks like a, like a, a father like a 14 year old at least yes yes he, <laughs> I mean, he honestly kind of smile. like yeah so either way and not not in, it's not an insult it's more like wow i can't believe he's 
I mean, I guess it is a little bit. You're saying like you look older than you are, but, but it's crazy that he was 25. He's got a lot of good golf ahead of him. I mean, if he's oh, doing sure. And the thing great. is, sometimes people who look older don't really age. So by the time they're 50, they still look like they're 50 or 40. Yes. So hopefully yeah. that happens with him. Yeah. Um, yes, the NBA playoffs are starting and the Tennessee tie-in is that the Memphis Grizzlies have been incredible this year. They've kind of been probably the, the team that's exceeded expectations the most. They are the number two seed in the Western Conference, which is a huge deal. Like, so they have a legitimate chance of winning the NBA championship. I don't think they will, but the when I was in Memphis, I went to a couple of bars and, and it was, I mean, it was electric. And everyone's like, this is the year that, like, you know, they kind of had their first step last year. They made the playoffs. They gave the Jazz a series. And now they're, you know, now they're four spots ahead of the Jazz in, in terms of like where they're seated at. So it's going to be really cool to see what they do. They have a fun kind of the future of the NBA is in this first round series, the Timberwolves and Memphis, like two of the four youngest teams in the league, all very good, like not there probably quite yet, but it's going to be cool to see, you know, you have the Suns who are great. You have the Nets who have all these stars. And then you have the Jazz who have kind of dis disappeared, but they, they're going to have a, uh, a good first round matchup in Dallas. And I think they're going to win that and we'll see what happens. So I'm very excited. I think it's wide open, which is, that's a cool thing when you talk about pro sports, baseball is the same way with the Braves one last year is yeah. sometimes, you know, it's like, Oh, this team is definitely going to win. And it's, it's pretty much over unless something crazy happens. Right. The NFL, uh, MLB and, and now the NBA and it happens the most in the NBA are wide open. So it's really exciting to see. And, you know, I love to pick the jazz. I, I think that they're great. Um, and I think they're going to win the first round. They've just been disappointed this year. But I, I am going to take Phoenix um, over, I think, over Boston in the championship is my is my pick. Okay. Well, you just need to give me a list of games that I need to watch because it's not natural for me to watch NBA. It's not my thing. But I do enjoy sports, as we all know. And I will watch it if you tell me that it's going to be a good game and worth my time. <laughs> well, I thought the Jazz game was going to be good last year. We lost by like 35. So don't yeah, always listen to me about what's going to be good. You can never tell, but there's going to be a lot of good series, and that's kind of what it is. And I think that that Boston Nets series is going to be very exciting to watch. And everyone's talking about the Jazz Mavericks. That's the four or five matchups. So those are usually always very close. Okay, so when you say series, I truly don't know how the NBA tournament works. So <laughs> okay. how many games? Like, like just tell. It's like me. it's like the baseball. It's a seven game series. Okay, okay, that's easy. So, so except for the, you know, and, and they are similar to baseball too, where they kind of, have, they're having a play in right now. So it starts Saturday, but they do the seven seed plays the eight seed. The winner gets in the nine seed plays the 10 seed. And then the winner of that plays the loser and they get the last playoff team. So they kind of have a, a similar play in tournament. Yes. Okay. And that kind of, and, and that was a great idea because it keeps more teams interested. They're like, Oh, we're out of the playoffs. We're not going to start our guys. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very cool structure and it's, it's honestly almost exactly the MLB at this point. Okay, that's great. I can I can remember that. I got the MLB. Except so unlike remember. baseball, which is kind of the home court advantage is such a big deal in basketball. Playing at home is such a big yeah. deal. Where like it basically makes up like probably at least three or four points. Where I in mean, baseball, I feel like it's kind of a crapshoot. It's like it's more the pitcher than if you're at home. Yeah, exactly. I mean, being at home in baseball is definitely more fun, but it's yeah. so big that the area is so big that it really doesn't. And people will travel for baseball. I, I travel for baseball. Like, you know, basketball is like, if you're at the home court and you get a ticket in that room, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, the um, only benefit of baseball is you might, you might know the park a little bit better. So if like the, like right field or left field is a little bit shorter, that's kind of the only advantage. I don't think the fans are as big of a deal in baseball as they are right. in basketball. Because like you said, it's big. And like, it's, I feel like the court is like, you're kind of just over these people. Like the whole, all 30 or 40,000 people are like over them. I remember the first time I went to a, a big basketball tournament in an arena, I felt like the court was so small. 
Yeah, I, I, know. I yeah. remember it. I was a little girl. I went to a Jacksonville State game with my parents and I felt like the court was tiny. I felt that way at my first Jacksonville State football game too, because I'd only been at my high school football games. And you know, you're kind of close to the field and it looks so big. And then you get in the stadium and you're sitting up above and you're looking down at the field and you can see the whole thing. And it looks so small. I just, I, I viscerally remember thinking, there's no way that this is the size of a court or a field. And you were one of the three people at the Jacksonville State basketball game. So that's even cooler <laughs> that you were up. Go Gamecocks forever. Give me a yeah, break. A tournament team. I think, I think me, I, I, I cheer for break. them too. <laughs> well, you know what time it is, Mark? My favorite time of the podcast. Like we promised last week or a couple of weeks ago, we are bringing back the 90s. And this week's 90s topic is one that Mark came up with and yet has nothing to contribute. Maybe something- <laughs> I, I do, I, th- I thought of it. <laughs> Maybe something at this point, but underrated 90s movies. So let me put this disclaimer out there. I was born in 1991. By the time the 90s were over, I was only nine years old. So there were a lot of movies that I obviously couldn't watch as a child, but- my mom would talk about movies and she would get me to watch them. And so there were nineties movies that were regulars in my house. Now, if we're talking about underrated nineties movies, I basically pulled two that I had not heard of until the last year or so. So it's funny because, and we do this differently, right? Cause I've watched them all in the nineties. I haven't really watched them recently. You watched a lot more recently. Cause obviously I, watched I'm recently. Like, I, I was born in 87. So it was kind of more in my time. Yes. So Mark, give me, give me an underrated nineties movie. So I have a really underrated one. It's on Disney Plus. You can still watch now too. Okay. And it and you'll you'll love who's in it. So it's called Meet the Deedles. Have you ever heard of this? No. Paul Walker is the star of it. So yes, it's it's this ridiculous. It, it, but it was fun. Now, granted, these are in the thing. So I'm kind of doing movies that I remember. Again, I was a kid there, so it was a it was a fun movie. It was it took place at like one of these major. I don't like what's the major national park in America? Like oh, like. Yeah, I guess I, I don't think yeah, it was one of those things. And like they owned it. It was just, it was a ridiculous movie, but I loved it. And I'm going to rewatch it, and it, but it is on Disney plus. So please watch okay. it. I think it's, I think it's good. And then I loved um, smart house, Disney channel, original smart house. Smart house is not underrated. Smart house is a perfect movie when they, when they are. Well, I think it's underrated because nobody else thinks it's a perfect movie. <laughs> okay. Well, it is a perfect Not movie. to you. It's not. I'm saying for the right. Nobody even talks about it anymore. Okay. Well, I loved smart house. And you know, my favorite part of smart house was, was after he threw the party and his dad was coming home and he was hurrying to get the house done and there was trash everywhere. And the house just like ate the trash through the floor and it was all clean. The house cleaned itself up. That was incredible incredible to me i like when they made food it's like i want this or i want a smoothie and they would just make it for the house yes. it. and isn't it funny that that was like 90 i don't even know what year it was 97 98 somewhere around there but it felt like it's like oh my gosh this is a real thing in the future it, no. it's not like i I, no. I don't know why i thought at that point like oh probably in like 15 years this will be a thing but i also loved when the little girl was like she wanted to listen to a song and they put the music video on the wall in her room and she was listening oh, yeah. to that bewitch song on the music video in her it was say la vie right that was it gosh i remember that she was jumping on her bed i was like man this is the dream like i love that and, and okay, so I don't know how to pronounce her name, but I think it's Kate, Katie Siegel or Siegel, whatever. She, she's she's in a bunch of stuff. You want to talk about somebody who has not aged? She was the like the robot in that. Yes, movie. she, she looks not aged. Same now, and that was 20, 25 years ago. She's in all this stuff, and yes. yes, 
Hopefully, Scotty Scheffler has those genes of not aging when he when he does that. But like, yeah, like he really I like is I, so I actually, beautiful. But it's not even that. It's like she looks the same, and like I don't think it's yes. plastic surgery. A lot of like she looks. I just can't imagine somebody looking the same twenty three years later. I know. And it's awesome. She does. Good for her. Um, one of yes, the okay. what, what are your what? Are, and, and I was gonna say Saving Silverman, but that I found out it was two thousand one. But that oh. is the most underrated movie ever by a mile. Well, okay. So have you ever heard of the movie Leon the Professional? No. Okay, Natalie, young Natalie Portman stars in it. It's about this guy who, I think I saw it a couple years ago. He's like an assassin. It's really, really good. And of course it would be too dark for me as a nine-year-old. There's no way. But I watched that a couple years ago and I think about it all the time. It was such a good movie about a character that you didn't really want to think you were going to like, but you you really did like him and you were kind of rooting for him, even though he was kind of the bad guy. I love movies like that. I thought that movie was really, really great. Um, loved that. I never one. heard of it. Le- Leon the Professional? Yes. Okay. Look it up. Look it up. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I believe, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that, that's interesting. 1994. Okay. Yeah. Is, it was really, really good. And then there's another movie that's kind of sad. It's definitely like, an, a, like a grown-up movie. I, it's no wonder I hadn't heard of it, but it's called The Last Days of Disco. And it was written and directed by Whit Stillman. And Whit Stillman also wrote this book and movie called Love and Friendship, which was a Jane Austen kind of parody. But well, that's Chloe Sevigny in it. I love her. Yes, and Kate Beckinsale. Okay. And it's, um, it, it is sad, but it kind of deals with these young adults growing up it talks about the literal last days of disco like the last closing days of studio 54 in new york and there's just something about it that even though it's not a happy uplifting kind of thing it's it was fun to watch um i really i really did enjoy watching it and and just kind of seeing what what those last days of disco looked like i think it takes place in the early 80s maybe but it was about the end of um, the end of Studio 54 and the ultimate demise of Studio 54, which, again, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm like obsessed with disco. I literally decorate my Christmas tree with disco balls. So I love disco. And uh, I, I just thought that that was that was a really underrated one that not many people talk about and that I really enjoyed. So I will say you, you picked I, I haven't heard of either of them. So I feel like that's a good indication they're underrated. Yes. I, I, so I, I, I don't think I'm interested in the first one. This one, the, the last days of disco seems interesting. Yes, Last Edge Disco is really good, but definitely, definitely give them a try because they are, uh, they're both, they're both really, really good movies. Was, okay, now I'm try- I was also trying to think, was Face Off an, oh in the God. 90s? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, 97, yeah. Talk about a movie that I'd never want to watch again, but I had the best time watching it. I was going to say, I don't think it's underrated. I think if anything, it's overrated. That's a yes. terrible, I mean. Yes, that's why I didn't it's name it. It's just Nicolas Cage that people love it. <laughs> right. That's why I didn't name it. It's definitely not underrated, yes. but that is a movie that I will never watch again, but I had such a good time watching it because everything, like I know it's like trying to be serious, I guess, but nothing in it, like everything made me laugh. <laughs> It's how I feel about Snakes on a Plane. It was exactly like that. It's like, it's not, it was so much fun. I don't think I'd watch it again, but it was so much fun. And one more, I forgot about this, but Mighty Ducks gets its due. Mighty Ducks 3 was a 90s movie that nobody gives the credit to. It is the best one of those three and everyone writes it off. So I I think Mighty Ducks 3 is the most, that's my number one movie. I've never seen the first two. I've seen the first two. Eden Hall? You've not, oh my gosh. That's, that's on Disney Plus too. Watch that because that is, it's 
excellent. It's okay. Perfect. Well, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big Disney plus girl. And right now I actually just got Apple plus TV to watch severance, which if you haven't watched severance, you've got to watch it. It's incredible. But then I got sucked back into the morning show because, you know, Reese is my girl. Yes. I love me some Reese Witherspoon. So, um, a non-90s recommendation, but if you haven't watched it, watch Severance. Uh, maybe me and Mark will talk about it one of these days when I won't be giving away any spoilers and I feel like the whole world has had time to watch it. But it's <laughs> it's one of those shows that you'll you'll wake up in the morning thinking about it in an eerie kind of way. It's very good. Um, Mark, you got anything to add before we peace nope, that's out? Good. I think it's a good show. Enjoyed it. We'll talk next week. Yeah, and not a single, well, not a lot of insults toward me. My My pride remains intact. We'll see you guys next week. Just the sweatshirt. Yeah, just the sweatshirt. (laughs) Classic.